0: You're listening to the Kindling Rhythms Podcast by Restore Houston Church. In John chapter 21, Jesus built a kindling fire for his friend Peter, who was at a low place in his life. His shame and failures were defining everything for him. But Jesus will not let shame and failure have the last word in Peter's life. In an act of love, Jesus built a kindling fire to serve as a meeting place between himself and Peter. Broken Peter meets with Jesus around this fire, and Jesus gently restores Peter, showing him love, giving him grace, and empowering him to live the life that Jesus had called him to. In this beautiful moment, the whole direction of Peter's life changes. Kindling rhythm strives to follow in the tradition of that same kindling fire that Jesus broke for Peter, by creating a meeting space where your shame and failure give way to the love of Jesus where grace restores even the most broken parts of your life and you can find rest knowing that he deeply cares for you. May you also, just like Peter, find him in this space.
1: Well, almost Merry Christmas, Restore. Um, We are now in our third week of Advent uh, and for us that means we are this week um, lighting the pink candle um, which is the candle of peace. So you might be asking, why is this one pink and the other ones are purple? Um, I have no idea. And there's all kinds of different traditions on how we got one pink and three purples. Um, I don't know, maybe the guy just ran out of purple dye when they were trying to make the candles, um, or maybe one candle just got half the purple dye needed and it came out pink and they just left it that way. Who knows? There's all kinds of traditions that say this is why the candle is pink. Um, but this is the week that we light the the pink candle. Uh, And for us, restore, that's the candle of peace. Uh, And so when we look at Christmas, um, we look at that first Christmas through the eyes of the shepherds. um, One of the one of the um, I don't know, one of the things that I think we're supposed to see and supposed to look at is is this idea of peace. Um, In particular, we're we're really asking the question of where do we look to for peace? Right. Right. so I think that we all have sources in our life that we look to for peace, um, whether it is relationships, whether it's work, whether it's success, whether it's money, um, whether it's sex, whether it's right. We all have these things that we, we pursue um, that, that bring us peace. Um, For some of us, those things can be obviously maybe more destructive, like say alcohol um, or drugs. Um, For others of us, that may be a bit more subtle, like um, we might be chasing the perfect marriage or to have the perfect family um, or to earn the approval of a parent or a sibling. Or for some of us, honestly, you spend most of your life trying to earn your own approval and prove to yourself that you're okay, that you matter, that you're worth it. And so the, the problem is with all of our pursuits of peace is that they almost always never bring about um, the peace that we hope that they will. Um, so, for example, um, I, I have over the years met people who um, obviously um, having a healthy relationship where they are loved and valued is very important to them. But sometimes that means that they pursue that um to the point in which they become desperate and maybe begin making compromises that they would never have otherwise made um or end up with someone they may never otherwise ended up with because the thought of being alone terrifies them and so for them um relationships is a huge source of peace um and and while relationships in and of themselves can be healthy they can sometimes lead us i think to a dangerous place Um, I gave the example for me just in my own life. I give a lot of thought to my church. Um, One, because I I feel very um, called to do this. I feel very responsible for Restore. um, Just our our spiritual health, our community life, our everything. And so um, one of the things that I have to be careful about, though, is is prioritizing our growth and, and all of these things to the point where I'm working 80 hours a week, and I'm not spending time with my daughter. I'm not spending time with my wife. Or I'm right. Like there are ways that even and so, in my mind, I think, oh, if we can get to this point, then I'll be okay, and I'll feel good about my life, and I'll feel good about restore. Great, and and that is of Itself isn't bad. I think the desire to have a healthy church and to see us become a healthy church is not a bad desire. Um, But if I look to it as my source of peace, that that thing that will bring fulfillment in my life, that'll bring satisfaction in my life, um, that'll make it all be okay, I think all that will end up happening is that I'm going to bring more chaos into my life. And so one of the ways that we can um, just examine our own hearts and and think about what is it that we pursue um, for peace at all costs is to really look at what has brought chaos into our life, right? So for some of us, um, it's career and it's success and we have run our health into the ground. Maybe we've compromised in our relationships We have run our relationships into the ground uh, <laughs> And we've just ended up in a spot where um, We keep hoping that we're gonna get the right job the right promotion the right position within the corporate ladder um, And that'll bring about the peace that we desire um, Others of us. So I, I think this plays out big time for a lot of us and and especially in marriages um, where we think, okay, I want my spouse to be the, the to bring about the ultimate sense of peace. And so then when we end up in the relationship and a marriage and we start feeling lonely, which all of us who are married experience, um, or we don't, um, we want more as far as relational intimacy or sexual intimacy, and, and we don't get those things, uh, our minds and our hearts can easily start to wander to different paces to look for those things. The problem is, Um, if we look to another relationship to bring what we didn't think our previous one does, sooner or later we find out there are going to be things in this relationship that disappoint me, um, and that don't bring, you know, don't bring ultimate fulfillment and peace in my life. And so, um, I think looking at the Christmas story through the eyes of the shepherds, um, really challenges us to examine where in our own hearts and in our own lives are we looking for peace? Um, and I, this, this happens, um, I think Luke sets this up. He's actually kind of positioning this question, right? Because he starts the whole conversation with bringing up Augustus, who was the Caesar, the Roman emperor at the time. Um, and which, you know, is kind of an odd detail to include in a story about the birth of Jesus, right? So how many of your moms, when they're talking to you about, I remember the day that you were born. Like, how many of them started off being like, so-and-so was president and they were on their second term, you know, like... Um, that usually isn't that usually isn't a detail that you include when you're talking about the birth of someone. Um, but Luke wants us to see. So Augustus has as the Caesar, um, and so there he was known in the ancient world as the Lord and the Savior. Um, that was literally how people referred to him. And he the whole calendar year had been restructured around his birthday. um and he was known as the one who would bring peace. Um, the issue is, there's other people that disagree on what peace really looks like, right? And so you have this census taking place that he's ordered, that Augustus has said needs to happen. And what you really have is you have a bunch of subjugated, conquered people, uh, including God's people, um, traveling great distances um, to register for the Roman government, which is not their government. It's not their people. It's not their... <clears throat> excuse me, it's not their country, it's not their identity, um, and they're reg- they're having to register for the purpose of taxes, right? So Augustus wants to know, are you paying the appropriate taxes or tributes to, to your Roman rulers who are over you, um, and are you providing appropriate military service for the men and things like that? And so you have a bunch of people who are um, obviously— not seeing Augustus as the Lord and Savior and the one who's bringing peace. and they're traveling together. you have them speaking a language that the Romans don't know or understand. And so admittedly things are, 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 are tense. and Luke is drawing; he's wanting us to draw he's wanting to draw attention to that as he highlights that at the birth of Jesus. Um, because essentially, as the circumstances surrounding the birth of Jesus, here's the question everyone's asking is who's going to bring peace? Where's peace going to come from? Is it Augustus? Do do we revolt? Do we overthrow him through military might and political cunning so that we can establish our desire for peace, our version of peace? And so Luke wants us to to really ask that question of, wait, this is a tense world. This is a tense moment. People are asking the question, where is peace going to come from? And that is when all of a sudden we begin to see the upside down um, nature of the, I don't know, the kingdom of God and the coming of the Messiah um, begin to take shape. So, so Jesus is um, born in swaddling clothes on a manger and the message of peace is given um, not to Augustus, it's not given to revolutionaries or strong um powerful political men, or even to the high priest again, um just like we see with the story of mary, that this message of peace is entrusted to a couple of outsiders who were shepherds. um so shepherds, you know, you're used to like nativity scenes where like the cute kids get to play the shepherds, right? and they have little shepherd' staffs and they get to hold the lamb or whatever. Um, but shepherd shepherding was actually a very um it was looked very down upon in their culture. and so there was a lot of ceremonial and religious laws that said shepherds were unclean uh and so they wouldn't have they would have been excluded often from different places of worship like they're they're outsiders and yet in this moment god comes to them and says the one who's going to bring your peace has come and so the question really that we're asking in in this portion um the shepherds are asking and i think luke is setting us up to ask is where are the shepherds like everyone else going to look to for peace And when they look to Jesus for peace, it's not readily obvious that Jesus is really going to be the Prince of Peace, like the one that they would expect to bring peace. What they were probably expecting is as the ruler that would come out of Bethlehem, as we'll read in Micah 5, and you're going to read that in your group tonight, um, they're probably expecting a religious like a strong military religious leader, right? Somebody who could gather people together, um, a military genius who would overthrow the Romans and bring about peace again. And yet the angels show up to the shepherds and they say, the one who's going to bring about peace on earth is lying in a manger as a baby in swaddling clothes. And this would have challenged really everything that that culture would have expected as, as to someone who um, would bring about peace. And so as we see the shepherds respond to this situation as they move in to, to find the one that, was, that will bring peace, we see um, a willingness in their heart um, to, to celebrate, uh, to pursue, to worship the humility and the meekness of Jesus. Think about this for a second. The shepherds don't respond by saying, this is not what we expected. This is a baby. How's he going to stand up to Augustus? They realize, they see that God's doing something different. The kingdom of peace that he's bringing about is different than the one that Augustus has brought about. And it's different than the one that would come about if you were to overthrow Augustus. It's one that involves bringing those who are outside in. It's one that involves humility and meekness and love and compassion and grace. So think about really what these shepherds, um, just their own insight into this situation, how countercultural this would have been for them. For the angel to show up and say, the one who's going to bring about peace is here, is born in a manger. They would have been like, wait, so you want us to go find this baby, this child? Um, and yet they they go and they worship Jesus. And so what you see here is this fundamental challenge to what is the culture and the world um, tell us we need to have peace. And so we live in America. Um, some of us, some of us watching this are in Egypt or other countries in the world. Um, right. Either way, every culture Every country has this idea of what they what they what we need to accomplish to have peace and prosperity, right? Every culture has different values that they place intrinsically on where we find our peace and our prosperity from. Not only that, all of us have our own family backgrounds and our own personal backgrounds that we bring to the table where we try we have our own ideas of where we find peace, right? And so the one I shared with with you is for me, um, very often, it's, it's this idea of, will I have a healthy, growing church? Um, and, and, and while that's that's fine, and that's good, and that's important, and it's not something that we, you know, it's not bad in and of itself, if I make that my primary source of peace, if I tell myself, I know I'll be a good pastor when the church gets to this size, uh, I know I'll have been who I'm supposed to be. I know what all, right? If I put all of myself forth into that, what I'm going to find is that that drive to have that perfect church is not going to bring about the peace um, that only Jesus can bring. And so this whole story invites us to do two things here. One, it invites us to re examine our hearts um, to where we look to for peace. Who we look to for peace? Is it politics? Is it laws? Is it who governs us and what laws are passed? Is it how much money we're making? Is it what our dad thinks of us or our mom thinks of us? Or even what we think of ourselves? Or are we looking to the salvation and the redemption of the Messiah for our peace? Can we recognize that our peace comes from Jesus? And so there's a lot of uh, just internal processing that has to happen there to go from, here's, right, so it's not a simple, it's not dry and cut. I don't just say, well, I know I'm looking for peace with the size of my church. I'm gonna go look for it for Jesus, right? How that works out in my life is something I have to wrestle with and struggle with and pray through, right? And, and I don't have a clear cut answer for you about this is how you do it. This is how you determine that you're looking to Jesus and not these sources for peace. This is actually something that you have to wrestle with. And that's why we have meeting houses that are, are in all honesty. Like this is a space. Um, I, my hope is that you guys tonight um, watching this or if you're um, whatever part of the day you're watching this in your meeting house um, <clears throat> would wrestle with where do I find my peace? And what would it mean for me to look not to that thing, but look to Jesus for peace? Like the answer is not always readily obvious for us, but I do think that if we seek wisdom, if we pray, if we invite ourselves into vulnerability and to the counsel of others as we wrestle with this, um, we might begin to understand and see ways that our hearts can pursue Jesus as our source of fulfillment, as our source of peace, as our source of meaning. And so tonight, um, that's my hope and my prayer for you guys is that you you can wrestle through some of this as I wrestle through some of this, right? So I'd be lying if I told you hey, I've, I've reached you know I've reached this point of I don't pursue anything else other than Jesus for my source of peace. Like that's just not true. Like there are days where I expect it to come from my wife, and when she doesn't bring what I think that I, I like unfairly expect her to bring, uh, right? I treat her poorly. Like I get annoyed with her. If I don't see my church doing it, I might become um, disheartened or even angry or upset or frustrated with things going on in the church, right? There's um, lots of different, like, and each of us, I don't think it has just one particular thing. I think we have lots of different things that are constantly, (coughs) excuse me, competing for space in our hearts with Jesus for space like there's lots of it's not like we have this one big thing that's like hey look to me for peace it's almost like I always think of life as like you're walking down this this crowded marketplace and you constantly having people say hey what about this what about this what about right there's all of these different um, voices that I think are are competing for space with Jesus and so I just want to invite us um, to slow down and to wrestle with this and then to ask Jesus, Jesus, would you show us, would you show me places in my own life and in my own heart I'm looking to other things to bring my ultimate source of peace.